Welcome to Meet You at the Museum with me, JP Devlin. Like Meet Me at the Museum, we'll be stepping inside some of the UK's most fascinating museums. But this time, I'll be talking to you, members of the public, and uncovering personal stories about why you come, what you love, and why these places mean so much to you. So today, I'm on the way to the Imperial War Museum. It's south bank of the River Thames in London and I've just got off the tube at Lambeth North. There it is, and you'd know this is the Imperial War Museum simply because there are two huge guns sitting out the front, something you don't find at many museums, one from HMS Ramillies and the other from HMS Resolution. It's a building located in very beautiful grounds, the Imperial War Museum was founded in 1917 with the intention of recording the civil and military effort and sacrifice of the UK and its empire in the First World War. This remit expanded to include all conflicts which involved British or Commonwealth forces since then. Today, the aim of the museum is to encourage the study and understanding of the history of war through objects and stories that give an insight into people's experiences of various conflicts. So let's take a look inside to look at some of those objects and maybe hear some of the stories of the people who are gathered here today. Okay, with my national art pass in hand, I'll just find a member of staff who might be able to help me on my way. How you doing? It's a busy day today. Oh yeah, it will be. It is well known. People come from around the world. I lived over the road and my school was in the park. We used to just come in and we used to go everywhere. Get in the planes, you could get, get in the tanks, everything. Really? When you yeah. were a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's changed, you wouldn't get away with that now? No, you no. wouldn't let any of the kids now get into the aircraft? No, no. <laughs> I'm just starting here down to the ground floor. Yeah. If there was one thing that I really had to see in your years of experience coming here as a kid and now working here as an adult, what's the thing I really need to see? Second World War galleries. Since it's been redeveloped, it, it, it was a really true picture now of what the Second World War was like. Right. So I, I would always point people to that one, first off. That's great. I'll head into the First World War here first yeah, and then okay. make my way up. Yeah, just work your way up kind of logically after that. Thanks very much. OK, mate. You have a good day. So let's pop into the First World War galleries. Lots of documentation, lots of photographs, posters, video displays, uniforms, rifles here in a cabinet, some very heavy artillery guns. What are you looking at here? The French 75 field gun. Apparently it has a cocktail named after it. I didn't know that. Ah. I was born in Kuwait and uh, we had to move after the Gulf War. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the exhibit as well. Yeah. Well, for someone like you who, although admittedly you were very young, but having come through war in Kuwait mm. and then to come here, what, how do you feel about war and conflict? It seems sort of inevitable. Like, every type of civilization that exists is, happens on the back of, of many, many, many wars and any colonization does it's, it seems to be the inescapable fact of of human advancement but uh, 
it's quite worrying to see where it'll lead because it's obviously the technology is getting more and more deadly. So what will the next hundred years bring? 28th of June, 1914. A Serbian-backed terrorist murders the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne. One month later, Austria-Hungary, with German encouragement, declares war on Serbia. I was literally looking at some of the uh, the diaries and the because my grandmother, who was a, a lady's maid, kept a, a diary, but it was very much matter of fact diary. Um, these are much more um, to do with emotions and what they'd gone through, which is interesting. So I these think. are diaries from people who served in the yeah, first who world were actually world. up there in yes, in the world yeah, and describing yeah. what they're going yeah, through yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. This doctor, I mean, that was pioneering work, wasn't it? Dr. Elsie Ingress. Yeah, to be, uh, to be uh, on the front, to be up there as a woman and a doctor. I'm interested in World War I because my grandfather was on the front line as a farrier attached to the Royal Artillery. And he, I think he was there for virtually the whole duration of the war. And um, he sent my grandmother, well, his fiancée at that time, some beautifully embroidered postcards from, you know, they were called field cards, I think, weren't they? Yeah. yeah and they're actually gorgeous. And uh, he would somehow get letters to her very, very frequently. I was quite surprised how often he could do that. So he never talked about it, ever. He wouldn't talk about his experiences. Did no. you try to ask him? Yes, I suppose I was still quite young, um, which is so sad, really. All that history's gone. Yeah. So you, uh, you're trying to learn a bit about that real event through a museum now because you, you right. couldn't hear it from your own grandfather. That's right, right. try and piece things together, yes, and just actually appreciate what he went through because he never did speak about it, but he was obviously affected quite badly by it. Mm-hmm. So this sort of helps. Russia decides to stand up for the Serbs. Germany backs its only reliable ally, Austria-Hungary. These powers are willing to risk war to defend or extend their own national interests. Leaders repair their armies. You're looking at the map in here of the First World War, so you're familiarising yourself with the history through the maps here that are on display. When you look at all these countries now, and what happened in the Balkans War, it's all because of historic rivalries going back because of this. I don't think it's as, as documented in school, for example, and you'll only learn about it by going to places like museums because it is almost like a forgotten part. It is interesting just to see it all over again, really. Yeah. Sad. The, the amount of dead, because uh, if you've served, you don't you know. Horrendous, horrendous war. There we go. So, a father and son, is it? Yeah. yeah. Right. He served, and I served. Did you want to join up because your dad had been a soldier? Yes and no. He was definitely an influence, but he's a different regiment. So I'm in the rifles, he was ex-Grenadier Guards, so a very, very different way of doing things. So, right. yeah, no, it's good fun, though. I enjoy it. So have you you've both served in different places? Oh, I'm a 70s soldier, so I'm, Northern Ireland was my... Uh, right. And Berlin, before the wall came down, places like that. When you're both together, do you talk soldier talk, uh, army the, talk? All yes. the time. Mum despises it. It never stops. It never, yeah, it's good, though. It obviously gives us obviously a bit more of a connection anyway. Not that we needed it, but, you know, it's just something that we can bond well, over. That's what I'm so. You must be very close then. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, must be so. I think it's important. So. My grandfathers both fought in the First World War. My dad was the Second World War. So from the Boer War to the First World War to the Second World War. So there's a great military background in Sadly this family. So, yeah. Sadly so. Well, no. one of us should have bucked the trend by now, but clearly we just keep coming back. 
surprised the thing, what's amazed me there is the price of eggs. 27p. This is the price of food, this big notice on the wall here. It's just making me realise that the poor people just couldn't afford the food. There's um, eggs that are equivalent to about £27 now. Some of the civilians must have had an awful time with food. They've got like bread here, meat, jams. Tea, so that's 10p, about 13p, multiplied by about 50. £6. See, you, you you know even the pre-decimal money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know what that is. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you what I actually do like. What's the meat that you used to use in corn, can? Corn, corn beef. Corn beef with mustard on. Well, corn beef's all right, actually. And I quite like I, it. I like corn beef. I was so, born at the end of the Second World War. But you cope, don't you? You cope. The main thing is to try and get happiness where you can, isn't it, and be contented and... Yeah, enjoy a place like this. And uh, maybe enjoy a corned beef sandwich. (laughs) With mustard. (laughs) We're going to take the stairs now up to the Second World War. Lots of uh, vehicles, engines, armaments, posters, a wonderful uh, Chevrolet truck. Hello, what are you looking at here? Uh, uh, Monty's Humber's staff car, which he drove mostly in World War II. General Montgomery. Yeah. And there's a picture there of him standing up, saluting yeah. in the back of it. Are you familiar with him? Do you know who he uh, is? No, this is the first time I've ever heard about him. In school I'm doing the World War II, and my teacher said it's very good here and there's lots of information and stuff. But our main topic is about the evacuees and like what they had to bring and how, like, what it was like to be out there, yeah. Are you mum or grandmum? I'm, or? Gra- I'm nan, but his, his, uh, we're going to see his great-granddad on um, Saturday because he's 95 and he was evacuated. So he's going to ask him more information about it, what he can remember when we see him on Saturday. Oh, that, so that means you'll have first-hand yeah. history experience from, from your great-granddad? Yeah. yeah. My dad was evacuated uh, from Peckham. Mm-hmm. but he actually wasn't very happy and he wrote letters home to his mum and in the end she brought him back. But then, of course, when he came back, that was when bombing actually started, really, in the 40s and he'd tell you the story about how he was playing with his friends outside football all in the street and the first thing they heard was the noise, like a droning sound and mm-hmm. it was all the aeroplanes coming over and he said, at first, we all thought they were British planes. We had no idea what was happening. And then they started bombing, and as he said, they bombed for 54 days, and the 48th day, his house was hit. But then ask him lots about it tomorrow, aren't you? Oh, my goodness, you'll have hundreds of questions for him then. Yeah, it's very interesting how it felt. But, you know, when we first walked in, what did you say to me? Are these real tanks and real planes? And I was, like, amazed how, like, massive they are, because, like, when you look at them, like, in films and stuff, you don't think they're actually that big, but when you look at it in real... Like, yeah. Yeah, that's the, the great thing about here because yeah. you walk around and there are aircraft hanging from the ceilings. Yeah, that's what he said when we yeah. came in. He was so yeah. surprised. And there's you? tanks, and he, even, you know, General Montgomery's huge car here. It's not like cars nowadays. It's, everything's really big and it brings it home to you, doesn't it? Yeah. Really interesting place, isn't it? It's exciting to go back and tell everybody at school what he's learned today.
you're taking a photograph of this a motorbike. Video, yeah, because obviously, first of all, my son is obsessed with motorbikes, but it's just for them to just see a little bit of history, really. Yeah. They know about the war now, but it's about knowing about that war has always been around and how bad it is and obviously the damage it can cause. So it's just that little bit of, especially more for her because she's four. He's just obsessed with aeroplanes. <laughs> well, there's plenty of aeroplanes. Yes, so he, yeah. right now he is quite amazed, but also their granddad was in the war in Africa. And unfortunately, he's not no longer with us. So it's just for her, she knows that her granddad was in the war, but it's obviously to see, like, he was involved in the war in Sierra Leone, right. West Africa, and it went on for a very long time. And unfortunately, it's just that the country never recovered from it. So it was pretty, pretty bad. So when you're taking your kids now there, what age are they? They're very he's young. Four. He's two and a bit. Four and two. So what are you trying to get across? Because unfortunately it's happening now. So it's just like, it's to let them know that unfortunately this has been happening, but we hope for your next generations, you might not have to experience war, see it in the news. And it's, uh, it's best for them to know the reality than just to make them think that the world is just all rosy because in reality it's not and it's, it's a shame that maybe from this young they need to know Well I guess this is a part of the Berlin Wall, we've just arrived at this bit, it looks like the Berlin Wall doesn't it? Yeah this is part of the Berlin yeah. Wall Yeah, It's very interesting isn't it, so we were just talking about this because this whole thing's about the Cold War and we were trying to work out what, what was the official end of the Cold War and I would say it was, this was the symbolic end wasn't it when the, book, when the, when the wall came down and we remember that because we're old enough yeah. to remember it and we grew up during the Cold War so I think it has a lot of meaning mm-hmm. And that our daughter is now studying the Cold War at school as history and that, God, that makes you feel you know, old, doesn't it? Yeah. it does. When does something become history? <laughs> Good question, actually, yes. Can yes. you draw a definitive line as to when the Cold War ended? Should you, you hope that this piece of concrete now is definitely consigned to history? You would hope so, wouldn't you? But I think it, 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 it has sort of a lesson. Whenever you hear a politician talking about building a wall, you know, your alarm bells should be going, shouldn't they? And we've seen that in recent years, so... There's nothing quite as symbolic as literally putting a wall up between, you know, down the middle of a country, is there? And so you'd hope we, you know, what's the, the, the phrase, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it or something? I mean, yeah. And it's that why do we need to have physical barriers between countries? You know, why does everyone have to have a line and they're either this side of it or that side of it? Yeah, it makes you ask a lot of questions that you can't answer and you wonder whether anyone can ever answer. And, you know, as you walk around, you look the first World War exhibit, and it's beautifully done here, the two war exhibits, but all the questions that it raises. I thought it was very lovely at the end of the Second World War one when it sort of, the war ends, and then it talks about the bit afterwards, and how do you go back to normal life after that? And how do you let go of hating the people that you were fighting this piece of wall raises questions yeah yeah because it's just you know do we feel any further on now really than than then I'm pretty sure I'm looking at Japanese uh, samurai swords from uh, the Second World War. 
there's yeah. a collection on display here in a, in a box. There's about one, two, three, four, five, six, eight or so, yeah. yeah. What I know about them, it was quite uh, usual for Japanese officers to bring uh, samurai swords with them to the battles. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, sorry, I'm from Sweden, so my English isn't that great. Your, your English is very good, but, don't uh, worry. It's better than mine, I'm Irish. I'm sorry. <laughs> But uh, I'm pretty sure that belonged to the, you know, the dress, the battle dress that the Japanese officer had. This would have been part of their uniform? Yes, of course, exactly. When they went into battle, yeah, essentially. Yeah. 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 And my opinion about them is that they are probably the most beautiful sword from the history. They're really beautiful. So, What is it you like about them? I like the style and the details and how simple they are. Lightweight and uh, I'm a history nerd. <laughs> uh, so I'm... Um, I'm walking around here with my friends as their private tour guide for the moment. So, so they consider you to be the expert, the, yeah. the history expert. And what do you think of this museum? I think it's awesome. <laughs> I had everything I wanted to see. Do you have anything like this in, in Stockholm, for example? Or? Yes, we have some museums, but often they're about the Swedish military. So we don't have much like uh, from the World War One or the Second World War, uh, because we were uh, we didn't participate in those conflicts. So uh, we don't have a lot of stuff from those periods, actually. That's right. You're neutral. We were neutral. Well, listen, that's great. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Very, very kind of you. And your English is great, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> now heading up to the top floor, where we've got the Lord Ashcroft Gallery, and the Lord. Ashcroft Gallery contains a collection of Victoria crosses and George crosses. Hi guys. A father and son here again. Well, what are you doing now in the Lord Ashcroft Gallery? Well, one, I've got fascination with medals anyway, but... And you've come here today to, to yeah, see I the medals? Mean, I've always, yeah, it's like we go to military graveyards and pay respect to our fallen yeah. members of the regiments. It's a military thing. We mm -hmm. all do it. But. Well, it must be tough, though, having uh, your son in the military, too. So you must worry about him. No. If you serve, you serve, and you know there's inherent danger. So he's doing what he's got to do, and if, if he goes, he goes. It's what we do. I think it's a very fair answer. Yeah, no, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's just part of our job. So, uh, I'm, I'm very new in, so I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say, from my experience, what's, what lack of experience I, I have. Uh, obviously, I, I work with a lot of people who have been there, done it and they will say the same that it's just part of the job they don't really think about it uh, in the moment I think it's mainly more but they probably appreciate what they do after you leave uh, but in the moment it's just your normal normal job really so yeah. you're up in the shop now yeah <laughs> you were in reception earlier now you're up in the shop <laughs> Yeah, well, they like to spin us around rather than you know, staying in one place all day. So. Do you get a lot of people asking you questions then about things? Where is this and where is that? Oh, yeah. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah, yeah. What, what is that? Where's, where's the cath? Where's the, where's the toilet? How do I get out? That's one of the popular ones. How do I get out? They lose their sense of where they are. So. Yeah, I suppose you would in here. How do I get out of here? <laughs> Come out here and turn right. <laughs> Well, that's me finished at the Imperial War Museum today. It's been a fascinating place to visit, not just to see the exhibits on display, but to gain an understanding of what war and conflict means to the people who come to visit here, from military personnel to civilians. 
And what this museum captures so well is how war is such a part of the human experience. I've certainly been left with a lot to contemplate on the journey home. Thanks for listening to Meet You at the Museum with me, J.P. Devlin. If this has made you feel like taking a trip to your local museum or heading further afield, then don't forget your National Art Pass. It gives you great discounts at hundreds of museums, galleries and historic houses across the UK while raising money to support them. 